What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. Coming drunker than ever and from a bachelor party in Montreal. Uh, recording local, or excuse me, recording uh, remotely with my co-host, Matt O'Dell. Looking at him through a computer screen right now. Matt, how the fuck are we doing today? There, there is so much dedication here by Marty. He is, he is already lit, so this should be a good one. I am uh, pretty lit. I'm sitting here. I've got a, a friend from high school sitting next to me. He's got a microphone in his hand. Don't speak at all. Very little if you have to. Been explaining Bitcoin to him uh, all, all day. We've been getting lunch here in Montreal, and I think I've been breaking through. I haven't been breaking through to you, Craig. I don't remember Jesus you gotta hold speaking the, about Bitcoin on the Ten Commandments. So I don't believe in you, that. You got to hold the mic closer to your mouth, please. Sorry. And Jesus did uh, throughout the, the the money makers in the world. So Jesus did talk about Bitcoin at one point, if not indirectly. Before we get into the vast topics that we have to talk to today, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Cash App. You know all about them. Uh, they're the number one finance app in the App Store for the last two years. They're the first. P2P payments app to let you freaks buy Bitcoin. And guess what? They're letting you deposit Bitcoin on their app and they're slowly allowing you to withdraw Bitcoin to BEC32 address, addresses on their app as well. Uh, on top of that, they got their boost program. You get the debit card. You go to merchants like Chipotle, uh, DoorDash, local coffee shops, Whole Foods. The list goes on. I believe Taco Bell's on that list as well. You save money there. And then on top of that, if you use the promo code STACKINGSATS, if you've already downloaded Cash App, tell your friends. Use the promo code STACKINGSATS. They're going to get $5. And $5 is going to be donated to a charity very near and dear to our hearts. That's Al's Lacrosse out of Chicago. Outreach with Lacrosse at schools. Uh, so go to the local app store that you frequent today and download the Cash App. And then after that, go to www.unchained-capital.com dot com slash vaults to check out Unchained Capital's two of three multi-sig solution uh, for your Bitcoin custody. If you're looking to uh, secure your Bitcoin and bring in somebody like Unchained into the mix, they will be the third or excuse me, the second of a two of three multi-sig solution for you. And on top of that, uh, they have their their loan program. So if you have your Bitcoin in a vault with them, they're going to allow you to get a Bitcoin collateralized USD loan right in the same suite. So go to www.unchained-capital/vaults. Excuse me, unchained-capital.com/vaults, and you're going to get three free months of Safedina Moose's The Bitcoin Standard uh, Bulletin Research Paper. That's three free months, and then you're also going to get their Vault program. There's two or three multi-sig. It works with uh, Ledger, Trezor, and other hardware devices. Go check it out. Matt, I'm slurring my words already. We're not even through the intro yet. What a fucking week it, what a fucking week it has been. How are you? I mean, I, I thought you killed the ad read. It was, it, was, it was well done. It was impressive. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm, I'm really fucking pumped right now, um, if you can't tell through the screen. Uh, the current price of Bitcoin is 94 sats per cent. And the current block height is 585,982. Ooh. We got mempool stats at all anywhere. Uh, the mempool, N- the, the mempool, a mempool is at 
43,000 unconfirmed transactions. Ooh, a little higher. A little higher than expected. What a fucking week it's been, dude. Like, I know we're not at 13K like you were calling for this time last week, but given that fact, I'm still happy with where we are. What are your thoughts? So since the last time we met here on Rabbit Hole Recap, uh, we've had two two, uh, Capitol Hill hearings, one in the Senate, one in the House, and we've had uh, Steve Munchen come out and say the cash has never been used for nefarious action in its whole existence in the U.S. dollar, at least. What a week it's been. Yeah, we had, we had Powell Fed comments. We had Trump tweet. Then we had the, the Mnuchin presser. And then we had the Libra, two days of Libra conferences. And, and we have Joe, Joe uh, from Squawk Box is just completely woke and just loves Bitcoin now. Hey, Joe Kernan, if you're listening right now, the invitation is open. If you ever want to come across the Williamsburg Bridge, Matt and I are here with open mics ready to talk about your your bitcoin wokeness you know i i still can't believe this is real i feel like it's it's i yeah i i'm in shock i'm still in shock i don't know um i'm i'm still trying to uh really digest everything that's happened what has uh, shocked you the most the fact that the government is even broaching the subject the fact that the government is uh as well versed on the subject uh as it as it seems to be, or the fact that um, people are as sort of open-minded towards Bitcoin as uh, some of the politicians on Capitol Hill and uh, some of the the uh, talking heads on mainstream media have been. Marty, they defined shitcoins in U.S. Congress. What the fuck? How did that happen? This is the most ridiculous timeline ever. I, I don't know. I First of all, a lot of the politicians seem to get it. Really surprised in that respect. Um, a lot of them understand the value prop of Bitcoin. Understand that you know, allowing innovation here in America is is best case scenario for America, the country. Um, yeah, I. Who was that? Um, Are we talking about Patrick he, McHenry here? Yeah, Patrick McHenry. Patrick McHenry came out and said, "I'm looking at my buddy Craig right now." Sitting to my right here, he's got a he's got a mic, but I'm not going to let him talk that much. But Patrick McHenry, a representative out of North Carolina, came out and said, "Bitcoin, the protocol developed by Satoshi Nakamoto and built by a bunch of other individuals after he left the program, cannot be killed. Any other government that has tried to kill it has been unsuccessful in that endeavor. We better come to grips with the fact that Bitcoin is going to survive from here into perpetuity, and." adapt to that. That is a huge admission from somebody who is a ranking member of the House Financial Committee. So it's him, it's Maxine Waters and then it's him. And he's like the second in command after her. So having him stand up and not only did he so he started in the morning on Squawk Box yesterday and then he went to Capitol Hill and he had an opening statement and he had questions during the hearing and then he had a closing statement. And the closing statement in my mind was one of the most impassioned needed speeches on Capitol Hill that we've seen in, in years, maybe decades, possibly a century. He said unstoppable force was his words. That's crazy. I Well, first of all, I love it. Second of all, you know, I, I, I kind of disagree with him. Like, I think there's ways for them to stop it. But I'm, I'm 
I'm happy with that. Like that's fantastic. You're not mega. How could they fucking stop it, Matthew? How could they stop it? I mean, they'd have to get really aggressive, right? And that's part of his statement. Part of his statement was the Chinese who are, you know, trample on on their citizens' rights. Even they haven't been able to successfully stop it. So, like, the, yeah, he, the ways they referenced have to do the, it would have to be really aggressive. Yeah, he referenced the Chinese firewall in particular, saying the Chinese firewall is something that's been a stalwart in the digital age of deflecting information from reaching Chinese citizens has been basically ineffective in stopping Bitcoin, which is a huge admission. Do we have fifth pillar actors in the U.S. government right now? I mean, you got to imagine some of these guys own Bitcoin, right? Like they're supposed to. There's no doubt in my mind that McHenry owns Bitcoin. That dude has, is sitting on a fat stack of Bitcoin in my mind. Who? Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think he has it disclosed. It, they have like, there's some, some of Congress peop, congressmen and women. I think like Kirsten Gillibrand had it disclosed that she owned some. Um, and so they have like an official disclosure form now that they're supposed to fill out if they own crypto. No, this is, but who knows? This is, this is something on par of like, uh, um, Donald Trump Jr. owning Bitcoin instead of Donald Trump Sr. And like, he's definitely got people in his family. Actually, I shouldn't say definitely. I'm speculating. This is huge speculation right now. I'm just jacked well, up, I drunk. Mean, I think Jared going. Kushner is probably his, his, uh, his Bitcoin guy, but, uh, but maybe it's Donald Trump Jr. But yeah, yeah. So maybe he has kids who have it. Maybe he. It's really hard to enforce disclosures in an age of of Bitcoin, um, because there are ways to get it with cash, and there are, there are ways to protect your privacy. So, um, so so they could own it, and if they do own it, they have a direct incentive to see the price go up. Um, so, you know, greed rules the day in that situation, right? Exactly right. So that's the question, I guess, that is bubbling at the top of my mind right now. Like, is uh, the power of the potential of Bitcoin powerful enough to uh, sway individual politicians into making it a reality? Or um, is the con other contingent of politicians like Steve Munchen, who came out this morning on Squawk Box and said, that uh, cash has never been used for nefarious activities, um, are they going to win out? Like, is, is the entrenched uh, incumbent going to win this? It will probably be a battle of attrition in the long run, right? Because it is a battle of, of logic and, and um, basically utility at the end of the day. So is Steve Munchen coming out this morning and saying that the U.S. dollar... Uh, cash-wise, like cash dollars, not being used for nefarious activities, sort of a framing for him to uh, villainize Bitcoin, in your opinion? Um, so, well, first of all, I'd like to say Joe pushed back on him on that, and it was fucking beautiful to watch. I, I've never seen anything like that from mainstream media. Like, that was... I, he keeps impressing me every single fucking time. Um, the other thing is... Uh, yeah, Mnuchin, in his presser, he was, like, constantly saying uh, illicit activities. He brought up terrorism. He brought up drugs. But he also was, was pretty clear in saying that speculation is fine, that if you – if he's like, I'm not going to comment whether or not the price is high or low, which means to me that he thinks it's low, obviously. Um, but, uh, 
but that speculation is fine. You have regulated entities in America that do KYC to you, yada, yada, yada. So the question is, like, uh, is it, you know, they kind of seem like they're setting up, like, a war against, like, private Bitcoin usage, right? And, like, self-custody and stuff like that. Um, but in general, with both the presser um, and the Libra hearings, I've come away being way more optimistic about how the U.S. government, our government, is going gonna, is gonna to handle these things. I, I, I expected this is, was like the, like the best, best possible outcome that I, I could see. And that's sort of where I may disagree with you is are they – so that's where the ambiguity lies for me is it was very clear that – Munchen and the U.S. government is uh, sort of keen on handcuffing the on and off ramps. They they want to make sure that the the on and off ramps to buying, selling, accessing Bitcoin are completely KYC AML'd. And I think they've left open this this sort of ambiguity of like me and you. Not saying that we're doing this, but like if we wanted to send Bitcoin transactions between each other, we're technically not KYC AML'd entities. Were individuals sending Bitcoin to each other. So after this whole week, I think for me, that's where the most ambiguity lies is individual use of Bitcoin. And do you think uh, they're, they're, I don't want to say avoiding that subject in particular, but um, there's their focus on institutions over individuals says anything? Um, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's been their game plan this whole time, right? I mean, I, I don't think, uh, in in that respect, nothing has really changed for me, uh, because that's that's how I assumed they were going to combat this stuff. That that that, I mean, even first of all, Meltem did a great job uh, in Congress. Um, one Shout of the out things, Meltem. one of the things she she said she made clear is that, you know, you can enforce these KYC laws on a like a on a per at basis like on the fringes of the sides of the protocol you don't do it at like the you can't do it at the protocol level um so so yeah i i see them can you know still pushing for that i mean look every american exchange every pretty much every exchange that officially allows americans to trade at it requires kyc now right um so will we see that start seeping into wallets and then the real issue could be um you know like themos uh had a response uh, to the unstoppable force comment by uh, Patrick McHenry, um, where he said, like, one of the avenues that you could think about if they wanted to stop Bitcoin would be, or stop private transactions, would be to attract miners to mine in America and then make those miners comply with the regs. Um, so, so yeah, the, there, there's issues. Um, there's ways that they can attack this stuff. Do you think they'd be more compelled to do that in China, which has been the predominant mining ge- geography of the world up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could see a world where, like, the Chinese miners are complying with the Chinese regs and the U.S. miners are complying with the U.S. regs. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that, that you can mine through Tor, right? That you can that if that's why mining distribution is important, um, but I the question will be if there's the political will for that, and 
and my takeaway from this week has been that that political will doesn't exist. There is way more support for Bitcoin in Washington than I thought. These guys get right? it way more than I thought. Um, so, so I, and I hope a bunch of them just went out and bought some Bitcoin so that they're even more incentivized to uh, continue this route. Like, I, I feel, have you played Star Fox 64 before? Yes. You know, the episode two, when uh, the rabbit's like, it's quiet, too quiet, and then they get ambushed. I feel like that's the point we're at right now as Bitcoiners. It's quiet. It's too quiet. It's too good. Why is this too good? Be too good to be true. It feels like there's been a, a concerted effort to get in front of this narrative, specifically by the U.S. government with Powell, with Trump, with Munchen, um, and now the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives. Like, where are our blind spots? I guess that's the question. Um, if there are any to be sort of found. I mean, I have some blind spots in mind, but I'm not. I don't really want to talk about them. Like, why would I? Yeah, I mean, I think that to have like a solid basis, like argument about anything, like you should know how to argue back against yourself really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to. Why would we give them the playbook? Let's just hope that we. Uh, I agree. That was a trick question. I was testing you. you <laughs> <guessed>. <laughs> no, but it's it has honestly been a crazy. It's almost been surreal, where it's. It's making me question, like, are they worried about the current state of the the financial system and are they or some politicians at least trying to uh, like create a quasi insurance policy by backing by backing Bitcoin and and being for the free and open uh, source nature of this monetary system? I mean, I we saw it kind of fall fall along party lines, right? Yes, which it mo- it was mostly Republicans that supported. Uh, whoa, 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 before we get into party lines, can we shit on Brad Sherman for equating Libra to? 9/11? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. What yes. a motherfucker! Right? What a fucking asshole, Brad his Sherman. Line, his line was "9/11 yeah. was the most innovative, innovative thing that's happened over the last decade." Was that it? I yeah, it's I been don't, two not decades, decade, two decades. Was. What did he say? Century? I don't know. What was his period? Of this century, yeah, I believe of the twenty yeah. first century, as he was alluding to. But he like even had like a visual like arm, like saying like the planes flying into a building were innovation, and Libra is a innovation on par with that, which is fucking disgusting. No, as he it, said, like he said I feel like I can't speak so. to this. You're a fucking New Yorker, like you <laughs> born and raised in New York. How does that make you feel as a New Yorker? No, yeah, I mean it was it was I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my ears. I was that was. I mean, like you kind of could because it was fucking Brad Sherman, right? But uh, that was that was a new new low for him. He said he said Libra could be could be worse. It could be worse than nine eleven. I fucking hate Libra. I, I would that's that's ridiculous. Absolutely what is, ridiculous. What does that say about the state of current discourse, or not even discourse, but like the state of the mentality of the people in charge? Like if they have to defend against Libra comparing it to 9-11 like how scared are they like what the like are they scared or is Brad Sherman just a fucking egotistical maniac looking for attention uh I I mean I think this is like their classic playbook 
right? Like that we saw this with we saw this right after 9/11. I mean, we had the Patriot Act um, was was put in place. Uh, they, 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 they constantly, we saw with the, uh, the, the school surveillance cameras, they do it because they fear monger over Sandy Hook happening. Um, so they, they take fear and they weaponize the fear to, to get, to get more control over the populace. So they, it, that, it happens all the time. Um, it's, it's a cla- it's a classic move. He took it a little bit too far, you know, but, but expect, expect these guys to constantly, I mean, you said it great in the bent multiple days now. We expect these guys to literally throw every illegal thing and blame it at Bitcoin. And, and environmental effects, they'll blame it. Maybe they'll do like, maybe they'll be like an actual real terrorist attack that was like partially financed by Bitcoin. And then they just run it down, you know, run it down with it. Even though it was mostly financed with USD, they, they, they'll blame Bitcoin. So let's go down this path. The, so the, the ongoing villainization of Bitcoin as a funding mechanism for quote-unquote nefarious activities will be used as uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt against the system. Like you should not use Bitcoin because it enables this thing. But, and that's the reason why I've been writing the bent, why I have this week, is because I've, I feel like I've been noticing these concerted efforts by, uh, by individuals within entrenched institutions trying to demonize Bitcoin. And that's what like people fall too easily for these narratives. And that's what you have to be able to call it out at face value. Like, Hey, if they're saying Bitcoin will lead to terrorist in, in the world ending, you have to question their motives off the bat. Like, yes, it's possible that terrorists and want money launderers and drug dealers can use Bitcoin as a tool but what you have to realize as an individual is they can also use the fucking wheel as a tool too. They can use a bike to go deal drugs, to go cause a terrorist attack. Like these, Bitcoin is just a tool, a monetary tool. A wheel is just a tool. And, and what you have to realize when these politicians, like Brad Sherman in particular, come out and try to demonize Bitcoin in this way, uh, saying you cannot use this tool, you just have to realize that the tool can be used universally and people can use it in bad ways. And you have to decide, is it worth not using that tool at all for everybody because somebody uses it in a bad way? I would argue Bitcoin in particular as a tool can be used for much more good than it will be used for bad. And I think over time, we will come to find that to be true. And I would actually argue that the, the instances in which uh, Sherman would argue Bitcoin being used as a tool for bad are, are more highlighted in this current sort of fiat monetary system that we live in because it's, it's easier to, to leverage fiat currency to do the bad shit that Sherman's talking about today. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, Bitcoin's a net benefit. We obviously both believe that. Um, and as, as for criminals that use Bitcoin, they can catch them with good old fashioned police work, just like they catch all the criminals that use the U.S. dollar right now. Um, so can you, you believe know, ca- he came out? Is king. Yeah. And not, not Sherman, but Munchen came out today and tried to say that fucking cash is not used for any nefarious purpose. Well, did you see like he didn't disclose like supposedly he didn't disclose like a hundred million. He had a hundred million dollars in the Caymans, dude. <laughs> just chilling in a tax haven. Yeah, and his, you know, and and Trump knows all about it too. All these guys know about it. So like that's, you know, they can say what they want. 
Look, no one who was watching that segment believed Mnuchin. And that is a huge step forward from where we were two weeks ago, in my opinion. Like, I, I literally I watched that segment, and I was like, wow. Like, I, I don't have to, like, like the, the, our, our mainstream media reporters are starting to pick up the torch for us. And we don't have to, like, respond to everything. It just gets responded to directly in the clip. Like, that's fantastic. Let's give another shout-out to Joe Kernan. Uh, one of the hosts of Squawk Box. Is he tr- is he uh, chasing Twitter clout or is he a full on Bitcoiner? What do you think? Doesn't matter. The incentives work. Either way. <laughs> Perfect answer. Perfect answer. But it's it's crazy to see. Like if because the last two days in particular in the bent, and I've written, I've written about Squawk Box for two days in a row. I've written about CNBC for two days in a row. And I would have, if you told me six months ago that I was going to write about CNBC in a positive light two days in a row in the bent, I would have been like, fuck you. There's no way that's happening. But it is crazy to see. You got to give credit where credit is due. Joe Kernan in particular on Squawk Box has been asking some pretty hard questions, Bitcoin related to Steve Mnuchin, the fucking secretary of the treasury. He asked him some very hard questions that I have not seen uh, a mainstream media reporter ask uh, a, an authority figure in quite a while. Like he's being, he was being very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very, very thorough in his questioning, which everybody is used to throwing up softballs and getting back sort of scripted answers that they're, they're expecting. But I feel like Joe, the last couple days, last week in particular, has been being a, a bit more, um, bit more of a, like a thorn in the side of authority that that you're not used to seeing in the mainstream media. Yeah, and you know, like his co-host Sorkin for a while was like was like the crypto guy on the show, but he's like pretty statist. So like he always oh, let us down. Oh, he's very statist. Yeah. yeah. So he always let us down and now we have like I don't know, he's just he's he seems like a bitcoiner. He seems like he gets it, you know, and he's asking the right questions and I fucking love it. It's fucking dope. That's all you can. Why? Why is it this hard to get mainstream media reporters and journalists to be good journalists and good reporters? Like this is it's it's it blows my mind that Joe Kernan this week has been refreshing, and it's like, oh my god, thank God he's asking these questions. Like, why do you have to say that? I think one of the reasons is I. Joe's not restricted from purchasing any assets, right? That he talks about. Like, I'm assuming he's active in the stock market and stuff, right? Yeah, I would imagine he's not BK where he's running a fund and has to pump like Nautilus coin and Ripple and all that shit. But I mean, I actually think that's positive. I think part of the reason we've had such issues is if you're a mainstream journalist covering Bitcoin, um, you think it's ethically impure for you, or sometimes your organization says you can't own Bitcoin. So, like, if you're someone like Popper, for instance, like Nathaniel Popper, like, you wrote a book in 2013 about Bitcoin, but you didn't fucking buy any, right? So now you're just sitting here and you're just super salty. Like, he's just everything he's... And it's not even his fault. Like, he... I would be salty, too. Like, like I would be so salty in that situation. His article this week was salty as fuck. What did he say? He said, um... I don't want to say I don't want to say this outright, but I think it was something like akin to like Bitcoin is for like not terrorists. What would he, what do he say? He like 
He came out with an article yesterday, which was like completely anti-Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin's not working. It's an index for measuring the desire to launder money in the world. Yeah, it's an index for Tom or Craig here reads the, the New York Times. And it's an index for laundering money throughout the world. That's not what it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so I feel like in that way, like kind of these like ethical disclosures or whatever, actually, um, they they hurt the, the journalistic integrity, right? Because like, well, first of all, they all have stake in US dollar, in the USD, right? They all have stake in like the current economy. Um, so they're not even unbiased from the story to begin with. And then the second thing is like, if you actually get Bitcoin, then your I, I think your immediate next realization is, holy shit, I need to make sure I get as much Bitcoin as possible before everyone else does, which is, I mean, that was my realization. So you, how do you level those two? Like, how does someone get it, not buy any, and then stick around, still be a reporter in like four years, still covering it, right? And have the experience. Because all this stuff takes time and you need to actually like learn about it and, you know, educate yourself. And yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, the disclosure, uh, the, the, like, so buy some and disclose it, but they don't even do that. They just say, we disclose, I don't own any. That's why we're lucky here at TFTC, where we don't have to worry about that uh, traditional finance, financial journalistic burden of, I mean, obviously we own Bitcoin. but Oh, I, I actually don't me. own any Bitcoin. I think it would hurt my journalistic uh, integrity. Dude, yeah. I came up here on a flight today, actually dropped my, uh, my hardware wallet out the plane. Fucking lost all of it. I'm going to start rebuilding though. Here you go complimenting Air Canada, then and then they lose your hardware wallet. That's pretty, they had too much. They had got too much goddamn leg space. It's too much, too much area to lose your fucking hardware wallet. I'm gonna call them. Hopefully, I'll find it. Um, but yeah, we'll figure it out. But it is uh, it's been a weird week, dude. Like, what's the uh? So let's go back to the hearings. What is this week meant for Libra? Will Libra launch? Will it not? Has it been good? Has it been bad? Is it just temporary noise that politicians wanted to hop on and talk about and they'll forget about in a week or two? Or is this like a serious, like, motherfuckers, this isn't going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think the odds of it launching just went down significantly. And, I mean, I, I think it's exactly what we were saying, we've been saying for a while now. It's like they either aren't allowed to launch or the reason they're allowed to launch is because they bend the knee, like, tremendously. And then how it's about, clearly not competing with Bitcoin, so. How about David Marcus giving the E-Corp behind the closed doors fucking pitch to, to the federal bank and the, and the Senate in front of the Senate banking committee? Like He literally said, we will work with you. We will track transactions. We will do KYC AML. We will do whatever you want. We'll make it happen. Just follow us. And for, like, you're, David, if you're listening to this right now, I know the leader of Facebook, Libra, listens to this podcast. You're supposed to do that behind closed doors, bruh. Do not do that in front of the whole public. They know the charade is up as soon as you do that. Yeah, he also said the E-Corp line, which was uh, like, if you, don't, if, if you don't let us do it, like China will do it. And then we'll yes. all be using the Chinese version. Yeah. So what does that say about the current state of uh, corporations in, in cryptocurrency? Are they completely far gone? Are they too far gone? Will they ever come around? Will they ever okay. adopt Bitcoin? Can I just say that, like, Mr. Robot was just, I feel like it's like Bitcoin research at this point. 
And just right? This it was too perfect, dude. Literally, word for word. <laughs> I was listening to him on, it was Tuesday, give his testimony about how they would basically make it so any central bank or government could know who's using the Libra cryptocurrency. It's like, you are giving the E-Corp pitch in, like, in front of the whole world. It was almost word for word. It was almost verbatim, dude. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that's that that is the pitch that they should be making, but to make it in public is pretty. I mean, it it shows that they're that they're worried, right? That they don't think that it'll launch otherwise. They need to like point it out straight up to the congressman. This is what's we're gonna do for you. Well, I think that may be the biggest uh, sort of thing to gleam from the rest of this week is that Bitcoin. Maybe not even Bitcoin specifically, but cryptocurrency and uh, disgustingly, quote unquote, digital assets and and crypto is on the radar of governments and institutions around the world and they're trying to react to it. But they feel I feel like after observing the last seven days of announcements and hearings that these people are way out of their depth. Am I wrong? Am I naive in saying that? Should we underestimate our quote? I don't even want to call them an enemy, but. Um, should we underestimate the people that are competing with us on a monetary scale? I don't, I thought they got it more than I expected. I mean, I had a low bar set, uh, but they beat all my expectations. Uh, they seem to, in general, understand it um, more than I expected. Um, I think it's always a bad idea to underestimate anyone. Um, you should always uh, go with you know go with caution. Um, but, uh, I think that the divide between them was way bigger than I expected. And I think that Bitcoin has a lot of defenders, um, in our Congress. And I, I, and I, I think, I, I think that time is ticking. I think the longer it takes to make any kind of definitive action against Bitcoin, the stronger Bitcoin gets, the more people own Bitcoin the harder it will be to have the political will to do anything about it. And I think the, these sessions, while I wish they happened later on, uh, they happened sooner than I expected because of Libra, because Facebook kind of forced the hand. Um, I think they show that uh, we're still a bit off from any kind of real political will or, you know, to do kind of, uh, some kind of definitive action, trying to like really... Um, Basically, I, I, the way you would like the what we would see is like a clampdown on self custody. Basically, I think, which, which would be this. you can't so, withdraw your coins. No, so you get an audience with any speaker you want, any senator you want. What is your pitch to them other than them buying will with the millennials of the world of like, yeah, I'm up on cryptos. I get it. This is the future. What is your pitch to them of why it benefits them and their Pursuit of yeah, uh, re-election or benefiting their constituents. I mean, I, I, I think I think Bitcoin is better money, and I think that it's going to be pretty damn hard to stop. So I I think you should want your constituents to have access to the best money we've ever had. Um, otherwise, you know, we'll we'll get left behind. Like America will get left behind. Yeah. No. And I think. Harping back to your your previous comments, like today, this week, if anything, was like an illumination of the uh, I don't want to say inconsistency, but 
Um, so the lack of coordinated understanding on behalf of the government, which, like you alluded to, works in our favor. Like the more confused they are, this is the better way to describe it. This week, if anything, has uh, highlighted the confusion that exists between uh, individual regulators and regulatory agencies between each other that have to coordinate to make regulation about this and they don't even know how to fucking communicate about this between each other, let alone communicating to the greater public about it and, and setting policy about it. So I think this works in our advantage uh, more than more than anything is is a lack of understanding from our incumbent government system. Yeah, uh, I, but like I said, I just think they understand it more than I expected. I, you know, I was I was ple- I, I was pleasantly surprised, but that might not be a good thing. But I just I it seemed like they, in general, the understand. I wasn't like ripping my hair out, screaming at the screen. You know, I was like, oh yeah, that's like pretty close. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, it was like a very, and that was a long, long hearing both days. The second day was like six hours. The first day was like eight hours, like 14 hours of hearing between um, Tuesday and yesterday. Um, But we've spent 37 minutes on this topic, and Matt's got uh, a closing comment on this topic. One more thing is the Mnuchin presser started this all off. And he took a question and answer at the end of his presser. And there was like a couple questions trickled in and they weren't very good questions. Um, and then he was like, finally, he's like, okay, we could take non-cryptocurrency questions. And like a million reporters wanted to ask him about Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. So still, as far as mind share goes of, of the American populace, like this is not something people are concerned about, right? Like they're more no. concerned about who, which face is on the 20, so. We yeah. can take ease and, in that. Yeah. And white supremacy. I felt bad for him at that point. Like, is that, uh, I don't want to get too, I'm drunk right now. I'm on a bachelor party, but that particular instance of that press conference was like, are you fucking kidding me? Journalists? Like, this is a dude, the secretary of the treasury. I don't love him. I'm not a big fan of him, but like he has a, a core competency that he's focused on. Like, he's not going to fucking answer whether or not Donald Trump is racist, like, I don't want to get too far into it. And Matt, wait, let me hit you because I've been listening to this idiot all day for four hours and three bottles of wine. What is, what is that little snippet to the common layman that says, be interested in this and tell your rep to be interested in this? Like, what about it benefits their life where they get excited about it? I have a speculative uh, interest, but beyond that, I'm still waiting to be convinced. I, He's looking for I, the human rights cause. No, or anything. Sell me. You know, I, I think I think Bitcoin. Like I said earlier, I think Bitcoin is the best money we've ever had, um, and I I think that it's very low adoption right now. So I think that if you buy it now, like the price should go up. It's like that's the thesis. So uh, your your congressman shouldn't stop you from from getting into the best money that's ever existed right now while people in china are doing it while people in turkey are doing it while people all around the world are doing it and you're not allowed to do it like that doesn't sound like uh, a free country to me so this is some very american at all does it no um but we spent 40 minutes on the topic of the the conversation of the last week it is probably not going to go away anytime soon 
this will probably just heat up from here. Like we like we were talking about it last week. We were t- we hopped on right after Trump's tweet. Like we were freaking out about Trump's tweet last week. That feels like six months ago at this point. And we're on to the next topic. And actually, this is an important topic that we should touch on and talk about pretty thoroughly. Uh, the wasabi, uh, the wasabi information that's come to light over the last couple of days. Apparently, it's not even apparent. Is if you are mixing with wasabi and you have more than the the minimum uh, mixing limit, and you're going to have uh, change with your with your original mixes, that that change dust may follow you throughout your mix. So it's something to be aware of. And then on top of that, if you're creating uh, new wallets within Wasabi, you have to double, triple, quadruple check that you close out of the software before you open that new wallet because you could get stuck um, uh, putting UTXOs in a wallet that that is not... Uh, what you think it is, right? You can be putting wallet, you can be putting UTXOs in a in an old wallet of which you forgot to passphrase. The the example we're using right now, off the top of my head, is Vake, our buddy Vake. Vake, he fucked this. He didn't fuck it up, but he, um, he had a kerfuffle, if you will. Yeah, he lost a million sats on it. Uh, I, he lost ten million sats on it. Um, I, uh, the, the, for the second thing. The key is to to switch wallets in Wasabi, you close out the software. Okay. It gives you a warning. It shows a little yellow warning on it when you, when you do it. Switch out of the software. Um, for the first thing, these are, we've known this. Um, uh, one of the guys from the Samurai team uh, wrote it out really well um, to, to really um, illustrate the issue here. Um, so the issue is, obviously... Uh, so if, if you put in five Bitcoin into Wasabi, um, it splits it up into uh, UTXOs that are that are the size of the coin join round because everyone has to have the same amount, um, which in this case is is 0.1 Bitcoin. Um, so when it does that, it's shaving it off every time, right? So it takes the five and then it makes it 4.9 and a 0.1 and mixes the 0.1. Um, as it does that, that original utxo you can track it as it's like dropping off the shaving shaving fees throughout the whole way right right now this is not completely true the whole time because because wasabi does mixed other amounts if 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 someone else has like a 0.8 utxo and you can mix a 0.8 utxo it'll it'll do it one round with them or whatever like it'll also shave off other ones but and 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 the best way you can combat that is by making sure to remix. Um, you want to do at least at least a second round. And one of the ways to do that, to to do that without doing extra manual remixes, is to set your default anonymity set to at least over a hundred. So if you set it to like one hundred one, then it automatically does at least two rounds of wasabi um, for every UTXO you have. The second thing is. That change you have at the at the very end, we the unmixed change you have at the end is like the most toxic change, is 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 the way I think about it. Because it's basically change, followed you through the whole mixing stuff, right? 
Right, exactly. So that change you have to be like very careful with. You should never be combining your change. Um, you, and, you, and to also reduce this attack vector is like you, you should not combine your outputs as much as possible. Um, so this really does highlight the main issue here with all these privacy tools is that there's a lot of pitfalls in the way to use them, right? It takes a lot of, of, of user interaction and if a user fucks up one little thing, then they could compromise their privacy. So you have to be very careful. Um, Samurai attempts to get around this by doing the method where they have, um, it's a transaction zero, which puts it into the premix. Um, so you so can do them all at once. So basically pay the fee up front. They pay the fee up front and then mix after that, right? Right, and then you have unlimited remixes. So, so they their claim is that it's harder to analyze that, and it seems like that is possibly the case. Um, but uh, but either way, I mean, I mean, look in this situation, I guess what like. I mean, you could use both in combination. Um, you could use it to spend. I mean, one of the issues here is the unmixed change in Wasabi can be like 9 million sats or something. Like, it could be just under the 0.1 amount. Um, and, like, that's a decent amount of money. So, like, I don't see people just leaving that change there. Uh, but you have to, like, be very careful about it. And, and, and so Wasabi goes with the coin control method. Uh, where they expect you to properly, you know, use those UTXOs afterwards and send them uh, without leaking additional privacy, without combining them in certain ways and stuff like that. And uh, Samurai, on the other hand, um, basically has a mixed pool and an unmixed pool is in the wallet is the is is the ultimate goal, and that that's what they have right now. But it'll it'll be even better UI wise when they overhaul it. And they have their their post spend transaction types where you can basically like simulate a coin join among your own wallet or with a friend or something like that. So when you actually do the spend, the final spend is also a coin join itself. Um, so hopefully we see like Wasabi implement some stuff like that as well. Um, you know, yeah, these these are these are things that you have to keep in mind all the time. Um, my, would you? Would yeah. you agree that uh, this stuff is somewhat temporary? Like if we were to get Schnorr signatures and have the ability to do P2EP payments, this would be completely irrelevant or is that a, a false assumption? I mean, I think, you know, Schnorr helps, especially on like the cost side. Um and if, you know, if you have like music or you know some kind of SIG aggregation, then you know um, it helps on the cost side. Uh, and but it's it's I it's still not you know I I think the key here is better UX on the on the wallet side, right? Like we need we need the tools to be like as foolproof as possible. Um, and I I think like we'll see. Hopefully we'll see, um, I mean, and then, look, this is the, Samurai's goal is, is like a holistic um, view of it, right? So like you receive with a paynim, you like run the dojo node, you mix with Whirlpool, you spend with Stonewall, like they, I think that's probably the route 
that Wasabi will have to take as well, where you're, you're basically, if you don't control the whole process, it becomes too hard for the user to, um, because like, look, at the end of the day, like it doesn't, you could add Schnorr, uh, you could add Schnorr and you do P2EP transactions and, and like you look up your balance on like a block explorer or something. And you're fucked. You're right. So like there's like the, it's the, the privacy guarantees aren't strong enough. And I've been saying this for a while, but they're way stronger. Like the, the, the improvements Wasabi and Samurai have made to uh, accessible Bitcoin privacy are massive. And especially when you couple that with, you know, um, Tor with Lightning. Yeah, funding yeah, Lightning, lightning. nodes um, that are running through Tor. Uh, so, so I'm optimistic on that front, and I like to see competition among... It's good that we have more than one team working on this. Uh, and, but but it, it is more difficult when, when, when the different sides embellish claims and stuff. Like, everyone should just... Our goal here should be to make using Bitcoin privately as easy and as effective as possible, um, like regardless of the software you're using. I would completely agree. And I think that's one thing that you freaks out there, not you freaks out there, but like we all, not you freaks, I'm sorry for, for, being, for drunk. Be, being drunk and disrespectful in that way. But we should all notice is that yeah, this is something that you have to work on. It's something you have to be aware of, and let's just be upfront. Like that's a, something I was trying to do this week in the bent. Let's just be upfront with the the capabilities, the vulnerabilities, and the boundaries that you're working within. And privacy in Bitcoin is not perfect right now. And in the, the way that you achieve privacy is, I don't want to call it janky, but it's not straightforward. Uh, and it it does take work, and it does take um, sort of minding what you're doing at each step of the way. And, and the more you know about each privacy solution, the better. And that's what we're trying to do here. So with Wasabi in particular, something we've been pumping for a while and um, something that we're still very... I, I, I would still use Wasabi, just be cognizant of how you're using it and, and what can happen. Matt, I, your point is... You I, I just I I think that people like shouldn't be dissuaded from using either Wasabi or Whirlpool or both. Um, but the key here is no matter what, you're increasing, you're using, you're 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 getting more privacy than you were before. Um, but Wasabi without the coin join is still the absolutely best way to access your hardware wallet. And ex especially if you have your own node, which you should, then it's very easy to connect to your own node. If it's running on your own computer, it automatically works. It connects to your, connects right to your hardware wallet. Like that's super useful. That is the, I in my mind, that's the the best setup in terms of of easily using your hardware wallet privately. Um, yeah, and and I I think these things will improve, and and hopefully we'll see you know what the Wasabi team's response is here. But uh, if if None of these, none of these tools should be used in like life or death situations on their own. Like if, if you absolutely need it, like you should be layering things on top of each other so that if any individual thing is fucked, like 
you're in a, in, a, in a good situation, whether that's a centralized mixer, whether that's going into you know, a, an altcoin exchange and then coming back out, whether, whether that's you know, switching into a, 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 like Monero or something and switching back or paying with Monero, stuff like that. Like, you have to layer these things on top of each other uh, for now Would you- because of the privacy guarantees. So layering it on top of each other, would you ana- analogize that to something like uh, hashing a password, like for final message when you when you hash the password and send it, is mixing this through Wasabi and then Samurai similar to that? Obviously, it's not perfectly similar, but it's a a better guarantee than than one over the other. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think the idea is just that is is that you're you're reducing the trust in any given. Uh, tool to work the way you think it's working, right? So that that multiple, like in terms of like final message, for instance, like if you use it with like a multi-sig key, it not only is it encrypted, but if for some reason the encryption was compromised, if they got it, they would just have a single multi-sig key. There's nothing they can do with that. They can't take your funds, right? So um, it's important to... And that this is like if you're using it in like a life or death situation, right? Um, if you're just, you know, if you're if you're trying to privately hold Bitcoin, um, and you you know you did KYC in a, at at an exchange like Cash App or something like that, and and you don't want your government to know like the exact amount you have, um, then it's you know it's it's a different threat model than if you're like a political dissident or something like that, right? So you have to, um, and because cause keep in mind, when you layer these things, they get more expensive, right? Um, but, but like, yeah, for, like if, if you went into, yeah, yeah, I, I just, it's, this has always been the issue with Bitcoin privacy. Uh, it's less so the issue now, and I think it'll continue to get better, hopefully. Yeah. Speaking of uh, allocating resources to a, to another software, uh, Vitalik Buterin came out this week and said that they're thinking about, or he would posit, that uh, Ethereum should should store some data in the Bitcoin Cash chain uh, before they transition to Ethereum 2.0. It was a big uh, admission by Vitalik earlier this week that Hey, the Ethereum 1.0, 1.x chain, whatever you want to reference it as, is getting a little too fat, and they may need to expedite some data storage to other blockchains. What are your thoughts, Matt? And also, in terms of privacy, cash is still king. You know, if you want, if you want the most privacy, you know, use cash. Not um, according to Steve Mnuchin. Yeah, not according to Mnuchin. Correct. Um, I. Uh, I completely, with everything that went on, I completely forgot about this uh, announcement, this blog post, until I was like, well, it was like one of the last things I added to to the RHR agenda, and I was like, oh my god, I completely fucking forgot about it. Uh, How is it, I thought it was like an April Fool's joke or something, like I just couldn't believe that that was the reality, um, that he meant that with a straight face. He said, one of the most crazy parts of the whole announcement um, the block the, time. What? Yeah. Like him shitting on the block time. Like, oh, the only the main drawback of this is the 10 minute block time. It's like, what the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Dude? That's the only drawback. That's what he came up with when you the drawback of using Bitcoin Cash just to completely 
insecure chain that has checkpoints and no usage. Has been double spent and has been 51% attacked in the last six months. Your biggest, your biggest gripe is their block time. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope they use the Bitcoin Cash chain to store data. You know, like, whatever. That's great. Would that be enough incentive to 51% attack uh, Bitcoin Cash into oblivion? I don't know. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it doesn't get 51% more since you can short it on Mex. Um, right. That's I, what confused me this week because I thought he would have come out and said, let's do it to BSV because you can short that. Oh, um, but you can yet. actually. Sh- I found out you can short BSV on Finex. So I'm surprised they don't get 51% attack more. I guess like you need actual like activity on the chain to fully prop it from like a like if if you have actual activity on the chain then you can get guaranteed profit by by doing an attack. Um but if there's no activity on the chain then you're just banking on the price falling. And I don't know if that's actually a guarantee with these e-liquid uh forks because you know i mean look at when etc got 51 percent attacked it went up at first because people were like talking about it yeah so so then you like get liquidated you like did the attack and then like it moves in the wrong direction and yeah so i don't know it's weird it's too dumb but maybe if they start storing data on the bitcoin cash chain then fees will go up um which would also be hilarious unless they raise the block size and then if fees go up then then maybe it'll be worth it to 51% attack. Maybe they'll just keep increasing the block size. Maybe nodes will start failing. That'll be fun. Maybe they're right. You know, maybe that's the way to scale this shit. Well, so he proposed it as like a stopgap for it's like it's like ETH 1.5, right? It's like a way to test ETH 2.0. But 1.0. X. Oh, and that's another thing. So uh, for you freaks that are unaware, uh, Ethereum set a deadline for ETH 2.0 to be launched uh, at the 11th anniversary of the Bitcoin Genesis block, uh, January 3rd, 2020, came out this week that that is not the deadline. ETH 2.0 will not be ready by then. Um, whoever put that deadline out there is an idiot. They're dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. It's going to take way longer, um, which has been made made evident this week. But one thing, we don't have to harp on that. I've got plenty of threads on how Ethereum will never transition to prove a stake uh but one thread i want to focus on right now is your thread matthew on uh the centralization factor of exchanges allowing people to stake uh on their exchange and this week binance came out and said people will be allowed to stake stellar on binance soon correct it's even funnier than that they've been accidentally staking for like the last six months (laughs) wait what yeah they didn't how do you accidentally stake they didn't realize they like they brought like the stellar team in to like set up the wallet or something and 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 i guess like staking was enabled and they just realized so they have like three percent more stellar than they thought they have a lot wait what did i put in the link it's crazy how much they have uh so so what they're doing is so they announced that they're gonna they're gonna allow you to stake it it'll be the fifth chain that they're supporting for staking um and one of the things I theorized in this thread, which is from 2017, is that 
exchanges will actually incentivize people to stake by rewarding them more than they would get otherwise because the exchange makes up for it in the fact that first of all they're a larger Fees. validator of the network so they have more influence and second of all you'll stay at their casino and spend money um, so what they're doing is they're going to give all those rewards proportionally out um, in the next the next month um, so they're yeah, trying to draw people in right now yeah exactly so like you you'll get basically the equivalent of a year's worth of staking in one month if you stake with them right now uh they they accidentally staked 9.5 million stellar lumens <laughs> that's that's almost a million dollars seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars worth of stellar they accidentally staked and stellar's worth like 90 cents right now I, mean, I if your math was correct i don't feel like looking it up I don't think it's correct, but it might be. But That's yeah, fucking... I. Yeah. So continue for you freaks that may be new uh, to Tales from the Crypt. Matt is somebody who's very uh, on top of this uh, very particular trend of exchanges staking proof of stake coins, and Matt can do a far better job than I can at explaining the inherent risk that comes with exchanges staking on behalf of users. Matt, dive into it. Yeah, I mean, basically, we already have the issue that exchanges have too much influence, too much control. I mean, we saw, uh, first of all, they choose what, what they list, um, which we saw that type of style attack almost happen with Segwit2x um, until the market pushed back. So it's hard to do it against something like Bitcoin, but you could see it working against some of the altcoins um, where like Binance got into a fight with Craig Wright and they like delisted SV, um, which was hilarious. Uh, but this gives exchange all of a sudden the exchanges aren't just the exchanges. Now they're also basically your miners of your network, right? They're the validators, they're the stakers of your network. They're securing your network. Now, do you want Binance to be like one of the top validators of your network? Like, I think that's pretty obvious to people that that's a bad idea. Not only does it give Binance a lot more power. Binance is a very easy to target organization. They have banking relationships. They have stuff like that. They're a multinational organization. Like, like if they want to pressure them, um, they have a really big target on their back. Not, not even just being a validator. They already have a target on their back. Now imagine if they start staking. They're already staking five chains now. Imagine if Binance is like the number one validator for like ten different chains. Like then they don't even have like loyalty to your chain at all either right like there's no and then they have loyalty then, to the most profitable yeah, i was gonna say they have loyalty to the most profitable at that point right right exactly and then the users the users are giving up their control um usually and my my theory is for for better payouts whether that's quicker payouts whether that's more amount of money um because the exchange can offer that um and I, it depends which system you know, because there's all these different proof of stake systems being floated about and stuff like that. But in some cases, there's thresholds that need to be made in, in terms of how much you need deposited. So so there's already a direct incentive for for uh, smaller smaller holders to, to have to go to these exchanges to stake. Um, I mean, they could use they could use like some kind of pool. Uh, but but I, like I said, I, I think exchanges will make it convenient for them. They will make it potentially more, give them more rewards than they would have otherwise and just make it overall really easy. And the same reason we see um, Coinbase holding 
hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin because people don't want to take custody of their own coins. We'll see the same thing, but even more so for proof of stake chains. And don't even get me started with what will happen when like the proof of stake chain ETFs happen. And like if that happens, like that's crazy. Like imagine like an Ethereum ETF with proof of stake. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, yeah. I'm down on the ETFs. I don't, I'm not as uh, bullish on them as I was before. We don't need ETFs. They're bearer instruments. You can get access to them directly. Like, why do you even fucking need an ETF? No, I mean, I agree, but I think they're inevitable. Um, and I, I think with Bitcoin, there's no risk to them. Uh, I mean, there's risks to the people holding the ETF shares. Um, are the coins actually there? Will it follow the chain that I want it to follow? Is it going to go off on some bullshit KYC fork or something? Um, you know, not your keys, not your coins all those issues, but for Bitcoin, the system, there's no negative effect from a large holder, uh, whether that's an ETF or whether that's an exchange. But in proof of stake, large holders are also large validators and it becomes extra risky. Sorry, dumb question. Uh, ETF goes into my traditional finance world. Why is an ETF beneficial in cryptocurrency? So in my opinion, an ETF for Bitcoin, just from the consolidation of supply or the concentration of supply dynamic uh, is risky in many regards. It's not as risky as a proof of stake coin. So a proof of stake coin with uh, Bitcoin is proof of work. I'm explaining proof of work for proof of stake to my buddy on the bachelor party here. So proof of stake. Craig. Craig. So proof of stake means that you need to have a certain amount of supply of uh, a certain coin to basically validate the chain up to that point in history. So you have to put up a bunch of capital uh, denominated in the uh, cryptocurrency of that particular chain. We'll use Ethereum as an example. They, they uh, picture themselves transitioning to proof of stake at some point. And so at some point in the future, uh, people will have to put up a certain amount of Ether to basically validate that chain, the Ethereum chain, and they'll get rewarded via interest rates for that. Whereas... Bitcoin is a proof-of-work system where you have to expend uh, a bunch of computing energy to prove that something happened at some certain point in time. And if you do that, you are rewarded with Bitcoin right away. You don't have to stake Bitcoin. You don't have to have a certain amount of Bitcoin. You just have to have hardware and software running. You don't have to have capital. Well, you do have to have capital to uh, pay for that hardware um, that runs the software. But it's it's arguably much less than the the capital that you would need to to gain a certain amount of stake in a proof of stake system and what matt is describing here is exchanges are uh naturally uh sort of via gravity and and, and centralization factors they 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 accrue a lot of supply so in a proof of work system uh which is has happened to date like coinbase square uh tcgb they have a lot of Bitcoin supply, but they do not have any effect on the consensus of Bitcoin. The, the fact that they have a lot of Bitcoin has no effect on whether or not something is validated. Where in a proof of stake, if you have a lot of uh, a supply and you, and you stake that supply, you have a say in the consensus of the system. And this is a very fundamental difference between proof of work and proof of stake. The argument for proof of stake is that it takes a lot of less compute energy. So it's quote unquote better for the environment but what a lot of idiots don't realize is that the capital expended to acquire 
the amount of stake needed to validate a chain is almost equivalent to the amount of energy expended in a proof of work system. Paul Stork at truthcoin.info has pointed this out a lot. Is that accurate, Matthew? Yeah, that was pretty good, especially considering how drunk you are. Um, I wait, wait, wait. Let me let me just do my one thing. The only thing I can add here isn't the idea of an ETF. Someone big oh. out there gets to go out and buy all these things. It would be prohibitive for me as an individual to access, and I get to access it in this pooled vehicle. Where isn't a crypto always supposed to be? accessible to me efficiently as an individual isn't that the point of it exactly exactly so that's why i would say you do not need an etf you can you can buy it directly like why buy the derivative when you can buy the bear exactly it should be accessible to me without big markups or margins or whatever exactly okay thank you for proving our point except that two things the an etf makes access easier because People are comfortable with ETFs. They're not comfortable with storing their own Bitcoin. They might still want exposure to the price of Bitcoin, but they're 60 years old. They can't send an email, and but they know how to use TD Ameritrade or call their broker up. Um, so, so it does give it does give further access to people. Um, it's not make or break. We don't need an ETF. I think it's a net positive, though. Um, I think I think from Bitcoiners' perspective, it's a net positive because uh, it'll make the number go up. And the price, you know, because more people buy Bitcoin, the higher the price goes. Um, and I, I think for for the average like tech illiterate person, like it, it gives them the ability to get some exposure. Um, we've seen Robinhood uh, be very successful with that, and they they don't allow you to custody. You're not allowed to take your take your coins off. You're just able to get exposure, and people use that. And the reason people use that, yeah, those people I think wouldn't be buying Bitcoin otherwise. They they would not be able to go through the process to. And I, it'll get easier. It'll get easier to store your own coins in the future. But but right now it's it's easier than it's ever been. But it's still you know you you still have to have some kind of tech literacy. Yes, and the difference between a proof of work chain like Bitcoin, if you allocate your custody to an ETF versus a uh, proof of stake coin like or Ethereum's not proof of stake yet, uh, a proof of stake coin. If you allocate that to the ETF, the ETF and a proof of stake system would then be able to validate that chain and dictate basically the rules of that chain where to proof of work chain like Bitcoin, that's simply not possible. Just because you own a bunch doesn't mean you get to dictate the rules. Well, miners don't dictate the rules, just to be clear. Exactly, exactly. But, but validators yeah. do Right. in a proof of stake system. Well, I mean, you still have nodes that are running that aren't, uh, that, that aren't staking nodes. Um, yes, but yeah, but yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want control over block creation and stuff like that to be held by the largest holders. Exactly. Um, it's been a fun episode. What do you think this week? Is this week the most bullish week ever, or the most uh, like questionable week ever? Like, are you are you more nervous, more bullish, more bearish than you were at this point last week? You were calling thirteen k. Let's not forget, you were calling for 13K by Monday last week. Um, yeah, that, where are we that, right now? That didn't happen. Uh, we're, I think we're like at 10.5 or something last I checked, unless it collapsed while we were recording. Um, I do feel the same way. Uh, I don't want to say it because I don't want to like jinx us or something. Uh, but I guess I just kind of said it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe we crash here. I don't know. But I feel really bullish. Uh, I'm always feeling bullish, but this feels like particularly bullish. Um, before we wrap up, there is one, uh, they updated sea lightning 
um, that I wanted to just touch on real quick because what's really cool about this update to Sea Lightning is um, they added uh, what they're calling external wallet funding. So now it's possible to open channels from hardware wallets and open multiple channels with one transaction, which means Boss. you can also basically fund LN channels with CoinJoin with other people. Uh, you know, so it's like the actual funding transaction where the channel is a coin join that funds multiple channels. This is pretty cool. So it's like layered anonymity, anonymity, <laughs> anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. There we go. I'm sorry. I'm drunk slurring right now. Yeah, but I, um, I, I'll let you go to the bachelor party and we can, we can touch on any of the other topics. No, but before we leave here, one thing that we didn't touch on, and we're probably not going to touch on in depth here but we've promised we will touch on is BMP uh, LN is the, 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 the vernacular for the Bitcoin stack. And it's something we've been meaning to touch on. We promised people we touch on it a little too drunk to talk about it tonight, but we will get to the vernacular of the Bitcoin stack because I think it does need some clarifying. Yes. And we also have not forgot about you. 100 M Satoshi. We will, we also, owe, we will demystify the blocks. We will demystify the blocks. Actually, Thank you for saying that. I got to look up um, before we, we're going to end it on shout outs here. I like ending it on shout outs. It's a good idea. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Give me a sec here. Do you have anything you want to riff on before we pull up the shout outs? I, uh, I played with the BitBox. Uh, my first impressions are uh, it's all right. Uh, I still love the cold card. Uh, you were right. The BitBox does have an SD card slot. Um, it's for the backup. No, it was right. They don't. Um, they don't have like the feature where you can, you know, ferry transactions using the SD card. And also, what? And, and they actually don't even give you a seed backup. They just back up to the SD card. What I didn't That's like about that was the SD card is not encrypted, so kind of questionable. Not sure about that as a backup method. Um, what was nice about the cold card is not only could you make backups with the SD card if you wanted. Um, they also gave you a seed and when you made a backup with the SD card, uh, it was encrypted by default and the password they gave you is a 12 word seed. So like if someone finds that 12 word seed, they'll probably think it's a wallet. They probably won't even think it's a password to your cold card backup. Like, I mean, unless you have like a podcast and like you talk about it on air, then, then they might know. Then they might find you somehow and, <laughs> and figure out what you're doing. You know, if you're just going to talk about this willy nilly. All right. We got one shout out. Here it goes. Oop, wrong one. Give me a second. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Calling all bulls for the first annual UABM or user activated bull market on Saturday, July 20th. That's two days from now. Saturday, July 20th, 2019. The 50th anniversary of the U.S. moon landing. Simply market by Bitcoin at 000 UTC time. The Bitcoin lawyer on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore lobby at Bitcoin underscore L O B B Y calling all Bitcoin bulls for the first annual UABM or user activated bull market this Saturday at zero UTC. Cheers to that motherfucker. That's that's 8 p.m. Eastern time. I just looked it up. 8 p.m. Eastern this Saturday. User user activated bull market. I'm down. I'll stack some sats. If you haven't us, if you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, use the promo code stacking sats and then come stack sats with us at 8 p.m. Eastern this Saturday. 
Oh yeah, that was my favorite theory for why the price crashed was because uh, people stopped using Lolly for Prime Day. For Prime Day, I I hand up. I was one of those people. Sorry. I would I would love to see how much. Like I wish we could see the books to see how much how much Bitcoin Lolly Lolly users accumulate every week. It's got to be high numbers. Alex, if you're listening, just tell us. Just just tweet at us. Let us know. Matt, we've been away from each other for too long. Next week we're going to be in the studio together. We've got a great bottle. We got to give a shout out to uh, our buddy Matthew Case from Seattle, who gave us a fucking crazy bottle of whiskey that we're going to enjoy together next week. Oh, did he really give us a bottle? Oh yes, he gave us a very good bottle. Oh, is that the Heritage? Did he, is it Heritage Distillery or whatever? It showed up this morning, right before I hopped on my flight. Oh my god! Fuck yes! Thank you, Matt. That's awesome, Matt. Not the Matt I'm looking at, but the Matt we're talking about. Thank you for that bottle. We'll be enjoying it in person. I can't wait to see you in person. I haven't seen you in like fucking a month. It's going to be lit. All right. That's all we got for this stay, week, freaks. Stay humble and stack sets. Peace and love.